Hello and welcome back to the Every Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is a podcast where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. I'm flying solo this week on the podcast. We've uh, had most of our episodes this season with a co-host, but wanted to hop on and, and just record this one solo for this week. But uh, I do want to remind you about the Scattered Abroad Network. Make sure you go and check out scatteredabroad.org. There are several new podcasts that have popped up this year on Scattered Abroad, one of those being the uh, Father Time podcast. I hope that you'll go and check that one out. That's one where uh, myself, as well as Scott Kane and Matt McBrayer, we, we try to encourage fathers to uh, step up and be the spiritual leader in their family. So check out the Father Time podcast. You can find that uh, in your your uh, podcast listening app of your choice, or you can find it at scatteredabroad.org. You can also find it uh, in our master feed, Scattered Abroad Network master feed, and even on YouTube as well. Just search Father Time Podcast with Scattered Abroad, and you should be able to find it. This week, we are continuing our discussion of doctrine, and we're talking about unity on uh, the podcast for this week. And I'd like to begin by reading uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, if you were to just start talking about unity, this would probably be one of your go-to passages, and for good reason. It's uh, very, very important. Paul deals with unity as well as several other extremely important um, doctrinal matters in the book of Ephesians. So, uh, you know, we're talking about doctrine on the podcast this season. Uh, Go read the book of Ephesians, and it's got a lot in there. But uh, chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now, right off the bat, you know, some some Christians, or really Christians so-called, they try to claim that uh, because of their misunderstandings of God's grace that, you know, how we walk and how we act and the things that we do really that doesn't matter that much. Well, that flies in the face of what we just read here in verse 1, because it says that we're, we're to walk worthy of the calling uh, by which we are called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, and uh, so that starts heading right into the unity that we're going to discuss for this week. Bearing with one another in love. Also, we need to have long suffering, lowliness, or uh, humility is a big part of this as well as is gentleness. Verse three, it says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Now, uh, one thing that should jump out at us when we read Ephesians 4, verse 3, is that uh, unity doesn't just happen overnight. Uh, Unity doesn't just happen by osmosis, uh, as we might say, the idea that it just kind of happens all on its own and there's not any effort put in whatsoever. No, unity takes a lot of effort. In fact, the word that is translated for us here is endeavoring, and so that indicates uh, not just effort in general, but but much effort that must uh, be undergone in order to achieve the kind of unity of the Spirit that uh, we should have as Christians. There is one body, and uh, you know we start reading here in verse 4, and this is what we oftentimes refer to as the seven ones. So let's just count them. One body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in 
you all. Now, there are a couple of very important things that I want to point out with uh, Ephesians chapter 4 here. And again, the first is we need to certainly make that endeavor uh, our aim as we are Christians. And anytime you have two or more people in a room, what are you sometimes going to have? Well, sometimes you're going to have disagreements, you're going to have differences of opinion, and that's fine uh, it, as long as it's in the realm of opinion. Uh, you're going to have different personalities, etc. And so there's going to be some conflict sometimes uh, involved when you have two or more people in a room. Well, guess what? In order to have a congregation, you're going to have two or more people, usually you know, a lot more than two. But uh, there's going to be some conflict sometimes in congregations regarding personality or uh, matters of opinion, things like that. But we have to remember that in those sorts of uh, arenas, you know, opinion and uh, personality and things like that, we have to uh, have unity. We have to uh, bear, one, bear one another up. We have to bear with one another. We have to build one another up. And we have to be willing to set aside our differences in matters of opinion, in matters of personality, etc., and work together and be on the same team. So that's the first thing that jumps out at me when I read uh, Ephesians chapter 4. But the other one is that we do that with this attitude that he mentions. And uh, verse 2, lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, and that's so important. We have to be long-suffering with one another. Preachers have to be long-suffering. I think of uh, 2 Timothy 4 verse 2. It says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with what? With all long-suffering and doctrine. And so us preachers have to remember that as well, because sometimes we can beat the doors down, so to speak, with no long-suffering, and we end up doing more harm than good. So uh, long-suffering, also bearing with one another. And then it says, in love. I think also of, of uh, later in this chapter, verse number 15, it talks about speaking the truth in love. Unfortunately, we live in a world where people want to make a false dichotomy out of truth and love. They want to go too far one direction without the other. They want to, you know, maybe they want to speak the truth, but they forget about love. Or maybe they, all they care about is love and, and they ignore the truth. Both of those are wrong. We have to speak the truth in love, and we cannot uh, cling to one without the other. And when we do that, verse number 15 says that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. There's other things that uh, talk about, you know, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about uh, everyone doing his part to build up the body of Christ. And uh, it talks about how, you know, we, we are not all the same part of the body, but we all have important roles within the body. And we need to all do our part to build it up. So again, you know, you think about the seven ones around which our unity must center. And uh, I want to ask you a question, and that is, are these the only things that matter when it comes to unity? These seven ones that we just read, and again, uh, beginning in verse 4 of chapter 4, it says, One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Uh, are these the only things that matter when it comes to unity? Well, of course not. There are many things 
that also matter when it comes to unity. But certainly these seven are included in our list of things that we must have and we must agree on uh, in order to have unity. This isn't an all-inclusive list, but it is a very important foundational starting point list, if you will. So uh, we need to remember that. And, um, you know, anytime we're having a discussion on unity, maybe there has been some lack of unity, let's say in a congregation, and uh, people are not getting along like they're supposed to. Well, maybe we need to come to Ephesians chapter 4, and we need to go through that list of seven ones and say, okay, do we have unity on this? Do we have unity on this? Do we have unity on this? Etc. If we have unity on all those seven ones, then we can start talking about some of the other things that I'm going to mention in just a moment regarding the doctrine of Christ. Are we unified on these things? If we're not, if we're not unified on the doctrine of Christ, then we don't have unity. So that's what I want to get into next, and that is that sometimes people have a false sense of unity. And so I'm going to give you an example, and uh, maybe you have one of these in your hometown. Especially in small towns, I feel like they're very common, but maybe also larger uh, cities and what have you as well. But have you ever heard of a ministerial alliance? Now, a ministerial alliance is really a misnomer when you think about it, because what you find in at least any ministerial alliance I've ever heard of, what you're going to find is you're going to find several different ministers from several different denominations, and they're all coming together, and uh, they have an alliance, quote-unquote. Well, that's a misnomer. Um, it's, it's not true. It's an oxymoron, so to speak, because the, uh, the alliance that they have, so-called— is impossible because they're different ministers from different denominations teaching a whole bunch of different things on doctrinal matters, like the plan of salvation or worship or uh, unity. Speaking of doctrine, unity. They, they teach different things about unity, etc. And so in a typical ministerial alliance, you might have, let's say, a couple of uh, Baptist ministers. You might have a Methodist minister, a Presbyterian minister. Maybe there's a minister from the uh, Assembly of God, etc. You've got all these different men, and quite frankly, you might even have some, some ladies who uh, claim to be pulpit ministers. And uh, that's a, a discussion for another day. That's, that's not uh, scriptural at all, of course. But you might have this at a local ministerial alliance. Is that unity? Well, it might on the surface appear to be unity, but it's not unity. Again, because you have all these different ministers teaching vastly different things on doctrinal matters. Not matters of opinion, doctrinal matters. And they are uh, the heads, if you will, of uh, various denominational churches. So they call it an alliance, but again, really, if you think about it, that's a misnomer. I'll give you an example from here where I live. There is a ministerial alliance, and uh, they meet at the local All Faiths Community Church. And uh, I believe I've seen some of their advertisements in the newspaper. Um, All Faiths Community Church. Somebody says, well, what's wrong with that? Well, I would answer uh, respectfully and in love, but I would answer What's right about that? Because there's nothing right about it because the Bible teaches that there is one faith, Jude verse 3, 
and there are other passages that talk about a singular faith as well, there's one gospel. Galatians 1, verses 6 through 9, Paul said that you know he marveled that they were so soon removed from the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which there was not another. You know, there's uh, not another of the same kind of gospel. It's a different gospel. They were removed unto a different gospel. They were following a different gospel, which is a false gospel. Paul says that if anyone teaches any other thing than that which the apostles had already taught, which is the same thing that Christ had taught, then if they're teaching something else, Paul says that they need to be accursed. In fact, he says that twice. He uh, doubles up on it, and he repeats it for sake of emphasis. So there's only one faith. There's one gospel, and faith and gospel, those are synonyms in this context. And when we have you know, a ministerial alliance so-called that meets at the all faiths, plural, community church, that is basically a multi-denominational uh, type setup, that is an example of false unity. That is unity, quote-unquote, so-called, that is based on agreeing to disagree on doctrinal matters. And this theological philosophy is sometimes referred to as ecumenicism. Ecumenicism. Maybe you've heard of that term before. I'll spell it. Uh, it's it's not a really common term. Uh, E-C-U-M-E-N-I-C-I-S-M. If you've never heard of that term, I'd encourage you to go and, and read up about it a little bit. It, it's something that we need to be aware of because the ecumenical movement is— uh, something that has really gained a lot of steam probably in the last several decades. And basically it's the idea that, hey, you know, I'm this denomination, you're this denomination, uh, he overhears, you know, that denomination, and she is uh, something completely different over here, etc. And you've got all these different denominations coming together under one roof, so to speak, and, uh, you know, going together. You know, much of the community church mindset today is based on this false sense of unity, uh, multi-denominationalism, I call it. You know, sometimes we use the term non-denominational, and decent term, I suppose, um, depending on what you mean by it. There are some who use the term non-denominational to basically mean multi-denominational, and that would be a wrong way to put it. Uh, now, if you mean non-denominational, such as anti-denominational, against denominations, like Christ was against them, like Paul was against them, uh, John chapter 17 and 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, respectively, as well as what we're reading about here in Ephesians chapter 4, then okay, uh, that's what we need to be. We need to be against denominationalism, uh, pre-denominational, uh, undenominational. These are better terms than, than simply the non-denominational, quote-unquote, because unfortunately that term has been hijacked by many to mean multi denominationalism. So that, again, is ecumenicism. Uh, my Bible says in Amos 3, verse 3, it asks the question, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Well, normally two people are not going to walk together, right, unless they are agreed. Now I want you to turn and read with me in the book of Second John, and uh, we want to look at verses 9 through 11. This is important because you know, sometimes people will think, well, okay, we're not united, uh, but we're still going to go along to get along, so to speak. Uh, we are still, uh, we might even refer to each other as brethren, 
even though we are completely adamantly opposed on doctrine. Okay, this is where uh, it really, you know, the rubber meets the road, because uh, John, the apostle, and by the way, John's known as what? The apostle of love, right? And so some people today with our modern philosophies might say, oh, John's not loving in what he's about to say here. Are you kidding me? John is the apostle of love, and yet he has something pretty pretty hard to say here in 2 John uh, verses 9 through 11. He says, Who, Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ. So that's important. The doctrine of Christ. It's not the doctrine of man. It's not the doctrine of you know someone like a pope or a denominational hierarchy or what have you. It's the, it's the doctrine of Christ. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, so this is the key point here. Notice this. If he comes to you and does not bring the doctrine of Christ, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Paul says something similar in Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. He says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those, King James Version says, mark those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. Which doctrine? The doctrine of Christ. So note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, the doctrine of Christ, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. So clearly, we must be unified around the doctrine of Christ. If people who claim to be Christians do not abide in the doctrine of Christ, simply put, we cannot have unity with them. I hope that you have enjoyed this first part of a discussion of unity on the Everyday Christian Podcast this week. Lord willing, next week we are going to talk a little bit more about it, maybe a little bit shorter episode, but what we want to do is we want to talk about uh, some of the things that we find in the book of Philippians that's going to help us to make sure that we have uh, unity when it comes to things like matters of opinion, matters of personality conflict, etc., we need to make sure that we have unity in that regard. So tune in next week to the, to the Everyday Christian Podcast, and uh, we'll see you then.